What the hell just happened? The focus of this podcast is to help, educate, and empower survivors of narcissistic abuse, domestic abuse, and intimate partner violence. The survivor stories shared here chronicle what the hell just happened to them and how they were able to heal, grow, and thrive. Many victims of this kind of insidious psychological, emotional, and even physical abuse are left reeling after the relationships end, wondering if they're crazy and responsible for what's happened. I hear you, I see you, and I believe you. You're not alone, you're not crazy, and you're not to blame. Let's talk about what the hell just happened and discover how to heal, grow, and thrive. Hello, everyone. Hello, welcome. Today, we are speaking with Brooke Bounds, an accredited trauma coach and therapist specializing in helping helping women heal their mother wounds and childhood trauma. Brooke is also the global number one best-selling author of You Can Have It, How to Break Through the Self-Sabotage Cycle. Welcome to the podcast, Brooke. Thank you for having me. So happy to have you today. So tell us a little bit about you and your experience with narcissistic abuse and what the hell happened. Okay. Yeah, great intro. Um, I grew up with a narcissistic mother. Um, I was constantly told that I was ugly, I was useless, I wasn't worth anything, nobody would ever love me, I'd never amount to anything. And I was actually born with a cord wrapped around my neck. And she often used to say to me, I didn't even have the audacity to be born properly. So every day I was hearing these comments and remarks and all my confidence was being like chipped away at. And it was just a kind of thing that I kind of ended up going into myself and into a little shell. Um, there was an instance where she actually lost her temper once and just really, well, I was about five and really kind of like beat me up. And I can remember sort of like cowering and hiding my head thinking, I need to stay small and stay safe and be really quiet and don't say anything because that's the safest way to be. And um, I can remember changing overnight from being this really bubbly, happy little girl to suddenly like being scared of my own shadow. Because I was so scared of what, if I said anything, it would trigger her off and she would then like attack me either physically or verbally. So I spent my life kind of like looking over my shoulder and, and trying to make her happy and make sure she was okay to kind of keep myself as safe as I could possibly keep myself. Um, I then met and married a narcissist. I kind of jumped out the frying pan into the fire because to me that was like kind of like normal life. Like, oh, that's how it, people get, I get treated by people because I'm not worth anything anyway. All those things that my mother told me throughout my life, I kind of just believed and thought, well, you know, you know, I'm lucky to have somebody that pays me attention. So yeah, that's that's fine. And I just let that carry on. And I, I ended up in another narcissistic relationship after that. And it then suddenly dawned on me that I was kind of like the um, common denominator there, the common factor there. So if maybe I changed how I felt about me, then I would attract different people in my life. So I set off on a journey of like self-discovery and, and personal development and worked really hard on like my mindset. But then it was like, why do I feel so scared all the time? So like, you know, I know I've got a strong mindset, but 
I just feel really like every time I want to do something, my heart was pounding, my palms were sweating, and I felt really kind of like I'm going to have a heart attack here type thing. But I would push through and do it anyway because I, yes, I've got this strong mindset. I can do it. I can tell myself I can do it. What I didn't realise at the time was the trauma that was trapped in my body from going through growing up with a narcissistic mother and having these narcissistic relationships. So when I started to work on the trauma and release the trauma, now I, what happens is if I go and do something and I get that kind of like nervous excitement feeling and thinking, okay, and if a bit of fear comes up, why does that come up? Where's that belief come from? Where's that thought process and those feelings coming from? And then I deal with that process and I release that. And then I could actually go forward and do whatever I want without feeling all that fear, without that heart palpitations, without feeling like I'm going to have a heart attack and actually enjoy life. And that's what I'm really, really passionate about, letting women know that there is a different way to live. You don't have to live in that constant, scared, heart-pounding, palm-sweaty kind of feeling and pushing your way through to do things. You can release that trauma and heal from that trauma and live the life that you really want to live. Wow, just so amazing. Um, You know, it's so fascinating to hear how um, the abuse from your mother kind of really, you know, cause that that nervous system response in you where mm. you were in kind of hypervigilance always looking always you know walking on eggshells and um really your nervous system doing an awesome job to protect you but definitely like shrinking who Brooke was and absolutely making you small and less noticeable to try to protect you from the abuse that you really didn't know when it would come or when she would attack, uh, you know, again, verbally or physically. And, you know, and it's, it's amazing how that kind of continued into and affected your adult relationships. Mm. Um, How did you realize that kind of something was wrong or, you know, you said you got to the point where you felt like you were the common denominator. Was there yeah. kind of a moment? Where was a, you... a, there was a moment. Um, my uh, husband at the time um, started picking on me and we ended up having this, this argument and he picked me up because he was quite strong and threw me against the wardrobe and I actually ended up with a whiplash and concussion because my head kind of like ricocheted off the wardrobe. And um, I then um, thought that that's it. That's enough. I'm I'm done with being treated like a, a doormat, being walked all over, and being used as a punch bag. And like you know, my mother had done it all my life, and and now I've got a husband that was doing it. So it's like the only thing that I can change is me. So it's like okay, where where am I thinking? But where's my thinking? Where's my feelings coming from? Because I, I was always like with him, I was treading on edge, making sure he was happy. Because if he wasn't happy, he would have outbursts and he would verbally attack me. And then he physically attacked me. And then it's like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. Like, yeah, I kind of got to that enough's enough stage of, you know, I'd rather be on my own than, than live with somebody like that and treading on eggshells. I've done it all my childhood and I'm not going to do it for the rest of my adulthood. So that's kind of like a, I've, I've had enough, I'm done. You know, and and my mother said, well, well, you can't come home because, you know, you need to stay with him because we don't get divorced in our family. You've made your bed, you lie in it. <laughs> so I ended up, because I've got no friends at this point because he'd isolated all my friends away from me. I ended up sharing a bedroom with a seven-year-old um, little girl from a colleague from work who I, I didn't know that well, but they didn't want me to, to stay in that 
that situation and I explained what had happened. And I thought I'd rather, you know, share a spe- bedroom with a little seven-year-old in the colleague's house I don't really know that well than live in fear in my own home. So um, so that's what I did. And, um, and I stayed there for a little while until I got myself sorted out and got my own place again. But it was re- that realisation that actually, you know, what what am I doing? You know, how am I acting and being? And what am I allowing to have, have happened to me? And, and I've allowed it to happen because that was the way I was conditioned as a child. It wasn't my fault. As I tell my clients, we get conditioned in a certain way and we think that that's the way we should be. You know, always people pleasing, always making sure everybody else is happy because our feelings don't matter because the narcissistic mother their feelings are paramount in, in their family home and they make no bones about it. And they always say, will say that your your feelings don't matter and their, their feelings are important. It's making them happy. That is the most important thing. So you kind of grow up thinking, okay, well, I need to make everybody else happy. And if they're not happy, then it's my fault somehow. You know, what did I do wrong? But actually we haven't done anything wrong. It's just the way that we've been conditioned as children. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you kind of started, you know, you put your foot down, you're like, I've had enough, this is wrong, I don't deserve to be treated this way. Um, And you started this journey to really look at your mindset, um, which I'm guessing is kind of like a cognitive way Mm. of trying to heal and um, maybe positive affirmations. I'm, you know, I'm worthy, I'm good enough sort of thing. But then you found yourself still kind of having that nervous system response continued beyond, you know, you're healing and you're doing all this stuff for yourself, but you're, you're still noticing or begin to, I'm guessing, notice um, that kind of reactionary conditioning from childhood um, is still there when you have, you know, scary moments or you're getting triggered. What, what led you to, you know, kind of figure that out? Where, how did you find um, the tools or the, you know, how did you get to the point to realize, oh, I can't, only you know deal with the cognitive part and my mindset it's stuck here in my body how did you approach that yeah well I felt like I was kind of like two people I felt like I was my head and I was like my body like they were kind of like separate even though they're I know they're physically connected they didn't feel that they were actually connected so I started on a journey of discovery about trauma and did like some trauma coaching courses and things because um, I was already a coach by that time and started doing all these trauma coaching courses and realised and actually this all makes perfect sense, you know, about the the nervous system and how we could get triggered off because even like when I met my husband nearly 13 years ago, he's very light on his feet and and our house we live in, you when you come down the stairs, you have to go through the living room to get to the kitchen and when we first moved in together, I was in the kitchen making a cup of tea and I thought he was upstairs but all of a sudden he'd come downstairs because I didn't hear him. And he said, oh, yeah, I'll have a cuppa. And I went, oh, you know, and threw my arms up in the air. And it's like, oh, my goodness, this is sorry, I didn't mean to make you jump. Realising then that I'd actually had complex PTSD from the trauma from my childhood. 
I mean, I'm okay about it now because I've released a lot of my trauma. I don't re- react that badly. But um, after that, it was kind of thing. As he got to the bottom of the stairs, he'd go, just to let you know, I'm walking through the front room, you know, because he didn't want me to react like that. He said, because you could burn yourself if you've got a cup of tea or something in your hand. But I know logically that my husband would, would wasn't going to do anything to hurt me, but my body was like... <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's a sudden noise sort of thing. So, you know, even though I had to start to work on it, it took some years to actually work through all of the, the different um, things that were affecting me, you know, and I will still, you know, because obviously we're born with two fears, a fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. So if I do hear a bang or a noise, I will kind of like jump. That's a natural thing because we're born with that. But I don't react in that really exaggerated way because I'm not, you know, got that complex PTSD. I've released all that and, and healed from that, which is... Uh, thankfully a good thing because it wasn't a nice way to live oh i can relate that that startle response is uh Mm. is no fun and you know it's amazing how um how all of that is kind of happening subconsciously we have no control over stopping our body from doing that um until we start to build like you said um look at it and heal it and build that awareness so as you started to go through, um, you know, some trauma programs and really understanding what trauma was and, you know, working on the PTSD, complex PTSD that you were suffering, um, what did that path look like? Was it kind of pretty straightforward? Were there some areas that you felt like you kind of got stuck or struggled with as you were beginning to recover and heal from the trauma? Oh, yeah. It, it was never a straight path. It was, it was an emotional roller coaster, is what I'm describing it. Because I think, right, I've got all this sussed, you know, um, I've got things sussed about, about my mother. But I didn't realise that she was actually a narcissist. I didn't realise until my late 30s that she was actually a narcissist. But when I discovered that, a lot of the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle fell into place. But before that, it was like, okay, I've got things all sorted out. And then something else would pop up and, and it was like, oh, it's due to my mother again. When is this going to stop? This, you know, And it felt like a com- perpetual loop of like, okay, I've just healed a bit. And now, okay, now I'm back into a loop again for something that my mother did. And I'm back into that loop again. It was like, you know, am I ever going to get out of this, this loop? And Every time I got out of one loop, I seemed to like jump straight into another loop sometimes. And then I'd go for a, few, a while thinking, okay, it's all good. Everything's settled. But then something else would happen and then it would bring it all back up again. So it's like, okay, right, I really need to like work on that. So then I started really working on my inner child wounds from like, and the mother wound. This is why I'm so passionate about it because it's not a, a really well-known thing, the mother wound, you know, how we can inherit um, these things from our, our mother who's a narcissist because she'll she'll project those onto us. So it makes us feel like we're not good enough, we're not worthy. If your mother's overcritical, overjudgmental, she's there physically, but mentally and emotionally she's absent. You know, she always relies on, believes that your her happiness is is in your hands that you have to make her happy and it's like when you you have all those sorts of feelings you can always feel like you're not good enough that you know you have to bend over backwards to to get your mother's approval for anything and it can have a detrimental effect on your adulthood and even into the you know your late adulthood because some people don't realize a lot of women don't realize until their 40s and 50s that their mothers are narcissists but once they realize that and understand that 
a whole lot of their world starts to make sense. Yeah, you're nodding yeah. along with me because, yeah. yeah. And But once you realise what a narcissist is and, and how they work, you can then start to, to work out how you can, you know, respond to that rather than reacting because the narcissist will know exactly how to push your buttons. And it's quite interesting that my mother knew exactly how to push my buttons. But once I started to heal and I started to respond to her rather than react, she then chose to to cut me off and have no contact with me because she wasn't getting her supply from me. She wasn't getting what she wanted from me. So I, I was of no use to her. So I was just discarded. I was just about to ask what the that with the current status of your relationship with her, if, if you had to go no contact or, or what happened. Yeah, no, she, she cut me off about um, nine, nearly 10 years ago now. Wow, yeah. Do you find a lot of people uh, try to shame you over the no contact? That it kind of encourage you to go back to her and make another attempt? Um, initially, you know, when I said, oh, she doesn't want to speak to me, and I'm like, well, she's your mother. You need to, like, try and make an effort because she's the, the only mother you've got, you know. She gave birth to you and all these sorts of things. And it's quite interesting she'll bring that up because I'm actually doing a workshop um um, on the 16th of March, all about the mother wound and, and about how you deal with it. Because in England, it's Mother's Day on the following Sunday. So you know, there's going to be a lot of society saying, you know, your mothers are wonderful. But when you've got a narcissistic mother, you haven't got that bond and you don't feel that way about her. So um, I'm, I'm running a workshop to help daughters of narcissistic mothers to be able to deal with all of that. And, you know, because we don't, you know, and people say, well, you'll regret it if she dies. And, and most of my clients say, well, actually, when people say that to me, I think, nah, <laughs> you know, it won't bother me. You know, actually, it'd be a relief if she's gone. She's, and they, they're, they're like, I'm really sorry, but I'm not really cold hearted. I'm like, no, I completely get where you're coming from. Because when you've been abused all of your life, you haven't got that bond like you have with, you know, a nurturing, caring mother. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally relate. It's... uh it's amazing how much society expects us to um, force a bond that's not there. You know, it's like going back to a well that's dry, that's never had water mm -hmm. in it, you know, hoping to get a little sip. And uh, it's... Yeah, and families can do that too as well, because they, they know that if you don't kind of toe the line, that the narcissist is going to explode and cause, you know, friction within the family. So they're trying to like smooth it all over because they don't want all the conflict and, and the arguments and things to go on. So, so your close family can say as well, well, you know, just, just put up with it, just send her a nice card, just send her some flowers, just do this, you know, come on, let's just keep the peace because they are also traumatized from, from, you know, being around because they know that she'll explode if she doesn't get what she wants. So you, you, got the added pressure not only from society but also it can happen with your family as well that's that's amazing that you just brought that up because I was thinking about kind of my own siblings and kind of how they um and other family members how they react to the situation I understand that you have a brother what is his dynamic and any other siblings um you know what is the dynamic with them is what's his position um, he actually still lives right by her because I'd moved away years ago and um, she she kind of relies on him for like all, all the help that, and that she needs and he, he kind of does it for like a peaceful life so he's he's done it a sort of a, a different way to me so um, 
but I was more of the, I was a scapegoat. So I was like the rebel child and it's like, nah, I'm not putting up with that, you know, and, and I, I, I won't kind of pander to any of her needs, but you know, that was his choice and he decided to do that. And, and I'm, I'm fine with that because, you know, it's his choice and it's the way he's cho- chose to live. He knows what she's like, but he's like, oh, well, you know, and in again, he's like, well, you know, he, she's, she's my mum and, you know, she's the only one I've got. So, and that, and that's fine that he lives lives that way, but he knows what she's like, and they haven't got a really strong bond. But he will do things that are duty for her, whereas I just wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Uh, mine, my brother. I have a brother too. He was the golden child, and they both cut contact at the same time. Yeah. It's amazing, though, a lot of other uh, people in society and how they pressure you to go back to the relationship. It's difficult Mm. to deal with sometimes the guilt and the shame. It's kind of like the second round. Once you recover from, you know, some of the childhood trauma and then you have to deal with kind of it coming at you from society's perspective that you're expected to have this relationship so I, I can totally guilt and shame are a big big thing you know a lot of my clients actually had a client this morning and said you know she said once I shifted shifted that shame she said you helped me release and heal from the shame of what went on she said my whole life has changed completely and she looks younger as well and I keep saying to my clients I must take a photograph when they first start with me and a couple of weeks after because the change once we start to release and heal the trauma that they've got you know they feel like they've got a 10 ton weight lifted off their shoulders and they actually look like they've got that weight lifted off their their shoulders and it's amazing and shame and guilt are the two really strong ones that keep these traumas small keep keep you small so the trauma keeps going on and things don't happen and that's why I'm I'm being a voice for women who haven't got a voice at the moment and I'm very much into empowering women so I will only be a voice for them until they find their own voice I'm, I don't want to be the voice for women because I believe that we should all have our own voice and it's what I help my clients to do to find their own voice so they can say what they want to say and live the life that they want to live and enjoy living how they want to live rather than in fear and in the shadows of, of a narcissistic mother. And that's a beautiful thing. I, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. uh, that is such a beautiful thing. It's um, It's so incredible, you know, kind of the nurturing and corrective experience that now that you've you know, healed your uh, inner child wound, your mother wound and worked, done your own work that you can actually help others who have suffered the same and kind of give them that nurturing that many of them never got. It's so huge in the healing process. Um, How did you know that you wanted to kind of build all of this and, and, you know, where did you find that, that passion to decide that you wanted to write a book about, you know, and, and become kind of really focused in on the mother wound and helping other women? It's quite interesting you ask that because I've always said I've got an old head on my shoulders and I can remember when I was about seven looking up to the sky and I'm not particularly religious or anything I was kind of like whoever's listening type thing whether universe <laughs> you know whoever and um I thought and I said I don't know 
the reason that I'm here with this woman. And because um, even when I was seven, she to me she was just a woman. She was, I never used to call her mother if I could get away with it. Um, but there there must be a purpose for it. So just can you tell me the purpose so I can get on with it, sort of thing. So from the age of seven, I knew I had a purpose in life, but I didn't know what. But once I, and I still didn't know going through my adult life, and I've had all sorts of different varieties of, of jobs and um, businesses and stuff. But it was when I started to really work on my own healing and, and realised that my mother was a narcissist. It was like, that was when all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle fell together. But right, I, I'm quite happy to be visible now, to be seen and to speak out about this. So the more I speak out about it, the more I share my story, the more other women can know and think okay that gives me hope and I I do a lot of podcasts and I get so many emails from women saying thank you for sharing your story it's given me hope that that you know things can be different for me too I don't feel alone anymore because so many women out there because of trauma because of the shame and the guilt and you know things should you know in families are kept really quiet it's that unspoken word that we don't speak about the trauma outside of the family that that women feel so alone even women in their like 40s and 50s so that's why I kind of I actually trademarked the the, um, the phrase midlife mother wound because I help midlife women to to release that mother wound so they can really enjoy their life. You know, obviously, like in their forties and fifties, a lot of women who have been through childhood trauma have children. Think their children aren't going to have the life I've had, so they spend their whole time, you know, giving the children what they didn't get. As but once the children have grown up and left home, they're suddenly like, okay, who am I? I've lost my identity because I lost it kind of growing up. And then I've, I just became the children's mum. It's like, now who, who actually am I? Because the children have left home. And that's when a lot of women start to kind of question and think, what am I here for type thing? And and that's the women I, I help to, to realise that. And so many of them are like in denial. And sometimes when my um, clients first say, I think my mother's a narcissist, they will burst into tears thinking, oh, my God, I feel so guilty, that, you know, my mother's a narcissist. How am I going to tell people this? What are they going to think of me? And it's still that trauma keeps going because if you tell people that your your mother's a narcissist, they're like, oh, what are they going to think about me? If they, if my mother's a narcissist, you know, are they going to tell me with the same brush type thing? So there's always that kind of ongoing things going on. Whereas I want to keep sharing my story so other women know that they're not alone in in the world out there. And that's what I'm really really passionate about: raising the awareness of the mother wound and trauma. So they know that they're not alone and they can get help from somewhere because, you know, once you get that help, your life can be so different. Absolutely. Absolutely. You touched on something. I think it was I heard it in another podcast about um, when you were having children and raising your children and you found out you were having a girl. You had had two boys and you found out that you were pregnant with a girl and what what can you share a little bit what was your reaction yeah I didn't actually point? find out that I was pregnant but um I I remember I'd gone shopping one day and I was just coming out the supermarket and I got the two little boys with me and I was pregnant with my third child and and I bumped into a French because oh I didn't realize she was pregnant she said I bet you'd love a little girl and it was that moment I went oh, no I don't want a little girl because what if because my mother didn't get on with me she didn't get on with her mother I didn't want to have a child that I didn't get on with so it was like oh my goodness and that was when I another pivotal moment that okay right, I really need to work on, on my mindset and and get this all sorted so I do have a lovely relationship with my with if I have a little girl 
unfortunately I went on to have two girls and um, it's a nice happy ending because they're 28 and 29 now and they're like my best friends so um, we have totally broken that cycle so it's like I'm I'm a cycle breaker there there will be no more trauma going on through the generations it may have gone through generations before me but not after me I broke that cycle and and that's why I want women to feel that they feel empowered to to know that they can break that cycle so it doesn't carry on through the generations but but yeah, it is, it is possible because I know women that have had narcissistic mothers that refuse to have children because they're so scared that of what could happen with the relationship with their children because they, they don't want to turn out like their mother, you know, which is very, very sad that, you know, that that's the reason that they don't have children. Even if they wanted them, they said, no, you know, it's too risky. Whereas I was the opposite. I can remember, again, it was when I was about seven, thinking the only thing I want to be in this world is a mum because I know I can do a really great job because I'll just do the opposite of what my mother did. So that I had that kind of feeling, but there's a lot of women out there that haven't had children because they don't want to have, you know, a relationship like they they had with their mothers. And I can understand where they're coming from completely, but, but yeah, it it is that thing of that, that mother daughter bond. And, you know, it's great that I've got daughters that will, you know, speak to me, you know, regularly and we chat and go out. um, And it's, it's wonderful that I've got that bond with them. And, and they often say to me, I don't know how you coped one without having a, a relationship with like like their nana. And I said, well, I never had it. So, you know, but fortunately I had a very lovely auntie. So um, she was kind of like my surrogate mum, thankfully. But, but, you know, I'm glad that my daughters feel that they've got that amazing bond with me and that they can come to me and talk to me about anything. Sometimes I'm thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't need to know about that. But, but they do talk to me about literally everything. <laughs> yeah. So and their boyfriends sometimes are like, oh, okay, do you have to tell your mum them sorts of things? Like, yeah, we tell our mum everything. <laughs> but yeah. That's and that's the other thing. I like to bring humour into it because trauma is quite a heavy subject, and like especially narcissistic mothers. So with my clients, I try and bring some sort of fun into it and realise that actually – my my Facebook group is actually called um, the Confidence Community. It's confident to be you, to be seen, to have and have fun, to be heard and have fun. Is that because in our childhood, having fun wasn't a priority? Surviving was our priority. So it's like you know, as adults, we need to bring that fun back into to our lives and you know, embrace that inner child, the happy one, and, and really like let her loose and let her enjoy life now. Yeah, I I totally agree. Absolutely agree. Um, just to bring up, you know, a fun thing, or, or, or I guess it's like kind of the antithesis of fun back in your childhood. Um, I think you had an instance where you were trying to celebrate something that was, you know, a great achievement for you and really fun. And um, unfortunately the reaction of your mother was to traumatize you and abuse you further. Um, and that was the incident. I think about how you were riding a bicycle, you were able to achieve, um, after some physical, um, issues that, you know, and strength issues from being, um, born with the cord around your neck. Can you talk about that a little bit about how? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, the doctor said when I was born that um, I probably wouldn't walk. And if I did, I'd probably never run or ride a bike because with having the cold wrap around my neck, it caused a weakness to my whole right side. And um, 
I obviously didn't get the memo about walking. I was a bit late walking. Um, but when I did learn to walk and they took me back for a checkup, they went, that's amazing. You know, you're going to, you know, you managed to walk, but, you know, don't hold out any hopes of being able to, to ride a bike or run. But to me, because my mother was constantly saying, why can't you be normal like your brother? I think if I was normal like my brother, she might love me. And he used to ride his bike a lot. So I thought, if I can ride my bike, she'll love me. That's my little brain working this out sort of thing, you know. Um, so I, th- I thought, you yeah, know, I will, I will ride my bike and I'll, and I'll come in and show you. And um, the doctor went, okay, that, that's amazing. So I was about five and I can remember doing it. And my dad was like, okay, uh, you know, let, let's go, let's go. And, and when we got home, my dad went off to work and, and my mum sent me off into my room to change my clothes. And when I come back out, she she really did physically attack me and said, how dare you embarrass me in front of the doctors, showing the doctors up and telling them that they were wrong. You know, you think you're so clever. You think you're so smart. You know, you, you're just getting too big for your boots. It'll only end up in tears. And that was the time when I thought, right, I need to stay, stay small and be quiet because, you know, it's dangerous to speak out too much and, and be outspoken. But I did go on to learn to ride my bike. But... She wasn't impressed that, you know, I I sort of stood up for myself. But the fact is, obviously, because she's a narcissist, I was being the centre of attention right there and, and she wasn't being the centre of attention. So that was, you know, not soothing her in a child wound. So mm-hmm. I know, I now know looking back why she happened, why it happened. It doesn't excuse it because abuse is abuse, but I get where she was coming from and, and that, that need for her to soothe her own wounds in some way, shape or form. But yeah, it, it wasn't, you know, a wonderful experience that you would imagine, you know, because you know, if you if you imagine if parents are being told by a doctor that your child may never walk, and then she does, and then she goes on to ride a bike, you'd think they'd be celebrating really happy, but she wasn't because I showed her up in front of the doctors and the nurses. How dare I defy a doctor? How rude was I? You know, so, but it was all about her again. So it's bringing it all back to her, which is a typical thing a narcissist will do. Yeah that as a child you can't have any of the attention at all stay small and no fun and no celebration so I love that your community has a focus about fun and um you know the playful element in the healing process I think is so important because as children we often weren't allowed to have fun at all um we were kept small just to survive we were in survival mode so that's an amazing piece of healing and it was that point point there that I realized that whatever I did she would never love me so I just needed to keep quiet keep small just to survive my childhood and and that was that was you know emotionally and physically a a big pivotal point in 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 my life and before that I was quite determined and outgoing and the nice thing now is because I've kind of found who I am again that determined outgoing person is reappeared has reappeared again which is really really lovely because people used to say to me oh you look really confident but inside I was like empty and really scared but now I'm actually confident from the inside out and I just really love the life I've created and it's it's wonderful when clients come to me and say you know I want what you've got, you know. I said, well, you know, my life isn't, you know, smooth. And I'll never say, because I will say I'm a work in progress, you know, I will say that life's always lifing. It's one of my sayings. And, you know, I have ups and downs in my life and things that don't always go to plan. But, you know, um, it's how I respond to them. And I've got the tools and the techniques to deal with that and respond to those things. Because sometimes things happen. Sometimes I'll wake up in not a very good mood and 
feel quite you know cheerful and think oh I don't know why what's happened there but when I look back it's like get curious about what's been going on in my life why I'm feeling that way I'm feeling and I can get myself out of that kind of situation whereas like years ago I'd have been in that kind of place and I'd have stayed there for weeks on end absolutely so I wanted to ask you you know we talked a little bit obviously about the childhood wound mother wound you know having all this trauma in your childhood and how it impacted your adult relationships specifically romantic relationships Mm. did you go through a friend's cleanse did you find that you had any other narcissists in your life either from a friend perspective or um colleagues or anything like that yeah it was interesting because once I started working on myself and realized I had absolutely no boundaries because everybody's like go ask Brooke she'll say yes (laughs) when I started putting boundaries in place my really true friends were like yes finally Brooke and those that were benefiting from me not having boundaries who kicked up a fuss and then told me I was selfish and that you know um I need to think of other people they suddenly you know either disappeared out of my life sort of quietly went out of my life or they kicked up a fuss and then said that they can't be friends with me anymore because I've changed and I'm, I'm not the caring person that I used to be i.e I'm not doing everything that they want me to do so they're not benefiting from me and um, so it kind of happened as a natural progression because I thought right you know I need to stick to those boundaries even though initially at the start it felt really really strange to have those boundaries because I'd never had them and it was quite scary because if I ever said no at home I was in big trouble so my body would like react to that so once I started putting those boundaries in place and actually it's so much better even though it's quite scary because I was exhausted beforehand because I was running around after everybody else and I would change all my arrangements to suit everybody else because I had a fear of not being loved because I was told constantly that nobody would love me so I thought if I don't say yes to people and do stuff for them they won't love me I come to find out when you get boundaries in place your actual real true friends love you even more for it so so yeah it it kind of cleansed out but naturally cleansed out because they found other people that they could go to that didn't have boundaries which left me to actually just get on with my life and it was amazing the difference in my energy I didn't realize how exhausted I was until I wasn't exhausted anymore yeah it's amazing how much energy it takes up when you're constantly considering everyone around you and keeping Mm. everyone happy and juggling all of those balls um in a sense of you know um it's almost like a emotional hypervigilance of oh what do I need to do to keep this one happy and that one happy and um and then when you find that well I can't make everyone happy I have to allow people to be uncomfortable or disappointed and that's a natural part of life and it's okay it's not my job anymore how much energy you get back into your you know your daily life that you're not spent even you know using up all of your time with the mental energy to focus on somebody else's happiness so. And the thing is, when you've been been through a traumatic experience, like having a narcissistic mother, you you tend to explain yourself for everybody. So that if you even said no to somebody, that because blah 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 blah, and then off, often if the person really wants you to do it, they're like, well, you know, I said, 
I'd love to, but I can't do that because I, I need to do this and do that and do that. And then like, well, do that, that night, do that, that night, so you can come and help me now because we over-explain ourselves, kind of keep us out of trouble. You know, um, it's a, a thing that you do if you've got, if you've got trauma. So uh, what I help my clients with is to say, actually, no, and I've got a great phrase that I, I use a lot of the time saying, I'd love to help you, but I can't at the moment, but if things change, I will let you know. So that way it kind of helps the person that's trying to set the boundaries. It's a nice, gentle way of saying no to somebody. And it also lets the other person know that they, they would love to, to you would love to help them, but you can't at the moment. And it's like repeating that sentence a couple of times because you don't have to explain why you can't help them. And, and that's the trauma part of it because we feel like, oh, well, I can't do this because X, Y, and Z. But actually you can just say, no, sorry, I can't help you out. Yeah. And if they say, well, why can't you help me out? Because it's just not convenient. You don't have to give a reason, you know, and I always say to people, you know, think about your boundaries as if, A, when somebody asks you if you want to, if they, to do something, A, do you want to do it? That's the first priority. And if you don't want to do it, say no, you know, and, and B, you know, um, if you can't do it, definitely say no. But if that making, checking in with yourself, do I actually want to do this? Because if you end up going to do it and resenting doing it, that's going to build up inside of you as well. And that's not going to help you on your healing journey either. And, and your relationships with other people so it's that really that, that key factor of actually do i want to do this so it's okay say so actually i am free but, but i'm not going to help you out because that doesn't suit me you know, that's something to do sort of further down the line because some, some people like they're just starting on their tra- healing journey from trauma like oh, i couldn't possibly say um, i can do it but i'm not going to help you out um but i will say to people no that's not for me thank you you're probably best asking somebody else and people respect that now because I've got really good friends that actually are in my life because they want to be in my life, not because of what they can get out of being a friend of mine. Yeah, absolutely. There's an interesting part in um, a book by Gabor Mate, um, When the Body Says No, and um, he talks about these case studies of these women with ALS who they all fit a common profile where they've lived their lives never saying no to anyone. They continually Mm -hmm. just say they have no boundaries and they say yes to everything. And same sort of situation where a lot of toxic relationships and that resentment and everything that's going on in the body is actually what he believes is is kind of causing the illness um is that unresolved trauma from earlier creating no boundaries to where they've overextended themselves in every aspect of their lives because they can't say no and then they're they end up you know with als and cancer and kind of all these different illnesses that happen Mm -hmm. after a lifetime of of that of unresolved trauma and and not having healthy boundaries because your body's not at ease it's got a disease because it's not at ease yeah and and it trauma you know has a lot to answer for results of like you know things like fibromyalgia autoimmune systems ibs all the you know rheumatoid arthritis all the inflammatory diseases because our bodies are inflamed because it they're felt so full of, uh, you know, those resentments and build up of cortisol over the years from where we were like in that fight flight situation and not being able to disperse that cortisol. 
it could cause all sorts of damage in our bodies. So yeah, yeah, it's, I see it's not shoulders, any good for our... your shoulders go up even as you're talking about it. It's that that stress and that yeah. it's that you know you see the somatic and it just talking about it there. Um, it's so true. It's so true. How much all of that a lifetime of stress just causes that um, causes all kinds of problems later on. Yeah, because cortisol on its own is a really great thing because the fight flight situation and is good for our bodies because if we are like walking somewhere and we hear a loud noise, we want that cortisol in our body to either fight whatever's coming or run away from it. But we're dispersing that cortisol when we when we fight or we run away from something. But if you're kind of you see the phone ring and you see it's your mother and it's like <gasps> and you go into that fight flight thing, yeah. but then you cut you're not dispersing that cortisol anyway. It just stays in the body and just builds up and builds up and causes, yeah. like we said, you know, all sorts of um, issues in the body. Yeah, kind of a long-term cortisol poisoning. It's not meant to, we're not meant to it's constantly in the body. Yeah. have cortisol released into our body. Exactly. So it's just amazing, all of it, all of the biological aspects of our nervous system just trying to keep us safe. Well, I am so glad to be able to have the opportunity to talk to you today and hear more about your story and just hear all the amazing things that you've gone through in your healing journey. And thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And so if um, our listeners want to reach you, to work with you, to get, get in contact with you, how can they find you? What, what is the best way to reach you? Uh, they can either reach me by email, and that's brooke at brookbounds.com, but I'll, I'll send you all the links so you can put them in the show notes. Absolutely. Or they can um, contact me on Facebook or Instagram, or they can come and join the Confidence Community on Facebook, and it's the Confidence Community. And it's confident to be you, to be seen, heard, and have fun. And that's a, a women's only group because it's the women in there wanted it only to be women because it's all about narcissistic mothers and, and how they feel. So it's a great supportive group where people you know, come into the group and if they've got issues, everybody supports everybody else and everybody cheerleads everybody else. So um, it's, it's one of my favourite places to be. So, but yeah, and if anybody would like a complimentary 30-minute call with me, I have a free complimentary call so they can email me and, and request that and I can have a chat with them to find where their trauma is, where it's stored and and the help they may need. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Brooke. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. See you on the next episode. What the Hell Just Happened is a Kick in the Hornet's Nest production created and hosted by me, Laurel Whittier. If you'd like to support the show further, you can share episodes with your friends and family leave a positive review, and follow What the Hell Just Happened on Instagram. If you're interested in being interviewed on the podcast, please go to wthjh.com to share your story or email me at hello at wthjh.com. If you're in need of healing support, Be sure to come and join my free and private Facebook group, Healing Narcissistic Trauma, or drop me an email at hello at healnarcissistictrauma.com.
And please know that you are not alone in any of this. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, and you can go from living in survival mode to grow and thrive after the trauma of abuse.